2: Spring has sprung, and our friends at Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming, have the best tools for some spring cleaning in your pants. Trust me, your confidence will be blooming like the flowers. Look your best this spring and join the other 8 million men who trust Manscaped. Use code SPURS20 to get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Inside this ball care bundle, you'll find the Lawn Mower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver ball deodorant crop reviver toner performance boxer briefs and a travel bag to hold your goodies so save 20% off and free shipping with the code spurs20 at manscaped.com that's 20% off and free shipping with the code spurs20 at manscaped.com your balls will thank you
3: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world, welcome to a special night here at the Spurs show. Uh, We're at the Albany Pub in London's glamorous West End. Welcome, everyone. Thank you all for coming. We've got a pack house tonight. And the reason for that, I'd like, I wish it was to do with me and the guests I've got beside me here, but it isn't. It's because we've got the great David Pleat. He's already in the house and we'll be talking to him later. Welcome, David. <laughs> we've had A few calls for David to take the Spurs job, but we'll get on to that later. Because, of course, uh, turbulent times at Tottenham Hotspur. I've got two heavyweights joining me tonight for this crisis show. I'm calling it a crisis show. Uh, Sitting on my left, welcome back from haters, Jerry Cox. I prefer to think myself as a middleweight, by the way. (laughs) And on my right, the voice of doom, he's back. We needed him for this. Rob Eason. Well, there used
4: to be a football club back
3: then. (laughs) He started already. There we are. I mean, I'm laughing. I'm putting a brave face on it. But I think as we sit here tonight, everyone, dearly beloved, this is... uh, (laughs) We feel like we're back to square one yet again. Year zero, ground zero, call it what you like. But we had an extraordinary weekend. I went down to Southampton for the, uh, for the game there at St Mary's. And uh, with 15 minutes to go, we were cruising at 3-1 up. They were literally leaving in their droves. It was the old, is there a fire drill was, was ringing out. And then, of course, we let in two late goals, which was deeply dispiriting. It hadn't been a great performance anyway, let's be honest. But uh, we were playing the bottom team in the table. It looked like we'd done enough. But, oh, no. But then then the shit really hit the fan. I've got Jerry Cox beside me here. He was in that press conference. It was one of his microphones that sat front and centre beneath the mouth of uh, Antonio Conte uh, when it all happened. Jerry what did you make of it at the time?
1: Uh, well, uh, correct you there, I wasn't there. It was one oh. of our, it was one of our lads. I'll do all that builder, <laughs> but it was it was one of our lads filming yeah. it. And immediately, I was I was at the Chelsea game, and suddenly there was buzz was going around that Conte's really gone off on one. And um, I mean, it, it just went viral for us. We had six and a half million views on that tweet, and I think BBC they referenced the he should have done a mic drop with the with the green haters microphone yeah. that night. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's just, it was just extraordinary stuff. And, and uh, as I say, I was working at Chelsea and finishing off there, and then I got on the tube and I, I watched the full ten-minute rant. And I thought, "Blimey, he's just getting angrier and angrier." It's just just as well he left when he did. Yeah. He might have punched someone. But um, no, that was his that was his farewell note, I think, wasn't mm. it? I don't think anyone now. Ex- well, no one then, but certainly no one now expects him to be in charge for Everton. No, no. So, um, and it's been building, you know, but. And it was a it was a terrible sort of loss of two points and a chance to go third, and it was you know I hate the term Spursy but that was Spursy wasn't it? And it just sums up the way it's been going. It was yeah. um, a missed opportunity. You can understand his frustration, but uh, you can't understand the way he went off like that. Well,
3: no, I mean it reminded me. I mean I said at the beginning of the show, it's like it's like we're back to square one, deja vu, you know, year zero, whatever you want to call it, because. He has always struck me as a bit, a lot like Mourinho. This whole reign has been a lot like Mourinho. Bad football, very inconsistent results, occasionally a little bit of a glimmer of light, but then it never really gets going. I think we all took against Mourinho a lot quicker and the fans have stuck with uh, Conte until now. They've really stuck with him. Even on Saturday, there were a few voices singing his name, although there were just as many singing Pochettino's name in the away end. But um, I always felt like I didn't, I mean, I despised Mourinho pretty quickly, but I, I never really despised Conte. I still don't despise him, but I mean, I felt the difference was that Mourinho was always hanging the player every time there was a bad result. He was always blaming the players in a really snidey way, trying to get, you know, trying to say it was nothing to do with him, whereas Conte has never done that until now. And wow. I mean, Rob, what do you, what do you make of his reasoning, if indeed you can call it that, of, of that from that rant that he went on?
4: Well, I've been doing these podcasts a long time, since it started, and you saying back to square one, Mm. I seem to come back and go back to square one so many times. Um, I I wasn't a huge fan of Conte when he arrived, and um, I've got to warm to him, mainly because when you see the energy he expends Mm. on the side of the pitch... You can't feel that that can be put on. It feels like he kicks every single ball. And when you say results are inconsistent, he hasn't been out of the top four Mm -hmm. since he's arrived. Uh, At the moment, he's not even well. He's suffering illness. He's lost three of his best friends. Um, There's been a World Cup. Things are disjointed, but we're still there. We would've gone third. I mean, everyone tells me how good a year Man United are having, and Newcastle are having. We would've been above both of them. when I heard the rant, I actually said, Well, he's right. But of course, then you kind of look at the bigger picture and you think, Well, you can't say, you know, that can't be said about your play in public and throwing your players under a bus. And I, I, I feel like I'm just, we're losing our identity as a football club. I don't know what we stand for. People say we want good football, but we, don't we want to win some things, you know? Yeah. Um, it, it, it's I'm, I feel I feel lost I'm sure a lot of the fans here do I mean he he seemed to suggest he had a few he had a pop at a lot he seemed to have a little pop at the
3: the owner, or the owners, as he said, although he later seemed to retract that in a face-to-face meeting on Sunday night, as far as we know. He had a little, a, well, quite a big pop at the players, as I say, probably for the first time that he's really got stuck into the players. But he almost seemed to have a, a pop at the culture and the ethos of the place. Yes. And that is the big worry. You say, you know, we lack an identity. We always used to have an identity, which was to do with playing great football and winning cups. That, that, if you were to sum it up, that would be it. And now we don't do either of those things. And you start to wonder the way he was, he wasn't very, it wasn't like he'd, he'd made, he'd set out a very reasoned argument. So you, you had to sort of decipher it. But in a way, what he, was, he seemed to be saying was the trouble with this place is these players are not expected to win because they never win. And you look at all the big clubs, if you go to Liverpool or Arsenal, Manchester United, if you don't win something, you've failed. You, you have to go there. The imperative is you have to win something. I mean, at Man United and Liverpool, it's pretty much the league as well. If you go to Chelsea or Man City, because of the money, you have to win something. You're paid the biggest bucks. You get the biggest, you know, the biggest fees are paid to get. You have to. If you don't win something, you have failed. You go to Tottenham, Tottenham haven't won anything for so long. And they haven't won anything big for 30 plus years. The imperative isn't there. And I wonder if players. Not consciously think that, but subconsciously. They know if they get to the end of the season, they're in the top four Mm. and they got to a semi-final, say. They don't feel like
4: they've failed. Well, it feels like we're coming up, you see, we come up with the word Spursy. We we feel like we're even inventing words for what we are, what we achieve. It's almost like we, we, we get to a point where, obviously, you have to fill a stadium and you have to be in with the best, you know, team. So we get to that point. So the fans are kind of okay, we'll still buy tickets, we'll still buy, but it's, it feels a bit like the Labour Party. It's, it's like, you know, we, yeah. we, th- we don't actually want to be in power. We're just like moaning at the right. other lot. Right. And I feel like we've just become content to moan. I mean, yeah. I'm get, I've become that now, I'm in the West Upper, he moans, Eve moans behind, it's all yeah. funny, I start moaning now, yeah. and I've become that. Wait a minute, you say you've never moaned before? <laughs> Believe it or not, I was a happy person here a few years back when he was the manager. I was, I was, I was, you know, glowing and yeah. happy. Yeah.
1: I yeah. remember when Steve Perriman took over at Brentford and they got very close to getting promotion, and they just missed it. And I had a chat with him, and I was just starting out as a reporter, and he was he was quite young in his management career at that time. And he said, and he, you know, they'd missed promotion not by much. And he said, you know, what there's, and this was going from the third tier to the second mm. tier to the whatever it was called then, Division 1, Division 2. And he said, um, there's a lot of people around this club af- 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 afraid of going up. You know, there's a fear that we're we're happier where we are, mm. right? Now, I'm not saying that's the situation at Tottenham, because there clearly are a lot of ambitious people around the club who'd like to go further and win something. Mm. And you also have to remember, there are only so many trophies to go round. If you look back in the last 20 years since, let's say, the Abramovich era, when the money just went mad. All the money went into the handful of, uh, hands of a handful of clubs. There are only four or five clubs that have won 90% of the trophies on offer. So, and they're the ones with the big money. Even now, Tottenham's wage bill is half that of Manchester United's and Chelsea's. So, you know, Spurs have been punching above their weight to be there. Obviously, the biggest issue at the moment, apart from the, 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 the coming to the end of another cycle with a gamble on a, on a proven winner and all that, Is is, you know, you got to start all over again, and the football's terrible to watch. You go back to the Pochettino era. Perhaps that was for me. That was the the time when it was like that was like Spurs. That was the identity of Tottenham. Young players with a with a sense of local local boys coming through the academy. You know, you think of those good young players who came through, certainly under uh, Pochettino, but also came through came in young players as well with a sense of identity, a young manager playing, attacking proper Tottenham football. And they went very, very close, very close. They challenged for it. And, and they were a great team, best team to watch in the country for a couple of years. That was, that's the identity of Tottenham. And they then gambled, you know, on on sort of, well, let's bring in a proven winner. We know where this is going to end. Anyone who knows, you know, the history of, of Mourinho and Conte knows how it ends, you know, second season, third season, you might win first year, second year, it ends in tears that's always how it ends and that's how it's going to end this one and you know i mean without going on too far if they were to go in thomas Dushal, it usually ends in tears there you know there's quite there's a history of sort of him falling out with the board so do they do they go back to let's say pochettino and try and get that spirit again with a young manager who wants to play attacking football or do they go for another young manager like uh, Marcello Gallardo I'm hearing a lot of good things about him in, in Argentina mm. and you know maybe he's like Potch was 10 years ago or 5 years ago yeah. um but certainly you can't keep going on this this sort of uh, roundabout of of picking a, a, a what's called a serial winner and then watching stodgy football and not actually winning anything you know no that they, they really can't do that all over again no. can they
3: well, you, you know, you've, you've brought us on to the, the, the big burning question now, because that, that's happened. Nobody thinks now that Conti will be here next season. Very few people think that Conti will be here next week. So we've got now, yet again, we're faced with uh, a new manager situation. How many people here, I'll just be interested with a show of hands, how many people here would be ha- happy to see out the rest of the season with Ryan Mason in charge? Yeah, a couple. couple, I mean, literally a small handful. And I think everybody loves Ryan. I don't think there's anyone here who doesn't love Ryan Mason. He's a top top, Tottenham man, top bloke. He's very intelligent, very capable. But here we are in the top four still, trying to get in the top four for next season, trying to build something. You know, he's still got something to go for. The idea of going for the rest of the season with someone as callow as that, as inexperienced as that, who's going to be going up against, you know, uh, Ten Hag... And Eddie Howe, basically, and and uh, Klopp, of course, Clippity Klopp—they're in the race as well. So, and we've got to <laughs> yeah, have we sorry? We've got to play Liverpool away. You got to play Liverpool away. I mean, that's 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 scary, you know. It's a sorry. Anything's better than Conte. Yeah, okay, I, I accept that. But isn't there's all sorts of runners and riders? Uh, Jerry's mentioned a couple, and we can we can talk about others. The only one, as far as I can see, on this long list I have got in front of me of the latest odds, the only one who's available is Pochettino. Uh, as far as we know, Pochettino is... Ava- well, we know he's available. Oh, Tuchel, I beg your pardon. Yeah, I mean, okay. Rickey. But apart from... <laughs> what, else, what have the Romans apart done for us? From, yeah, what have the Romans done for us? <laughs> All right, I'm getting carried away. I Personally, I'm, I'm against Tuchel myself mm. for the reasons you said. Tuchel looks like trouble to me and we've had it with ex-Chelsea managers. Jesus Christ, how, how, how often can you do it? Luis Enrique... No, absolutely no experience of the Premier League, of course. Pochettino, not only experience of the Premier League, experience of Tottenham Hotspur. He could literally come in and slot in with a team. Because the other thing about getting rid of Conti now and leaving in saying to Ryan, it's over to you, mate, is who, who's he got around him? Conti will take all of his staff with him, obviously. That's what always happens. So I would have thought someone's just said Harry Redknapp. Yeah. Oh, he's of course, he's already, he's already making noises, saying, uh, I'll have it, I'll have it, yeah, yeah, yeah. A very good friend of mine, Ian Ridley,
1: the yeah, respected sports yeah. writer, he, yeah. he suggested a man who's not very far away from us at the moment could well, go in with Ryan. Yeah, his knowledge. I don't know if David would take it. Yeah, so. no,
3: I'm sure, I'm sure that would be a possibility. We'll, we'll talk to David about that later. But because, I mean, that's, David's very much a Tottenham man and has the relationship up there. But, he, but if you look at the size of team that you have around a mm. head coach now, you have all men. I mean, Conte's team is the biggest one we've ever had. I mean, it's like, I don't know how many people. It's like 20, 30 people. And they'll all be gone. You can't suddenly assemble a team like that, can you? I wouldn't have thought. Overnight, that's going to be cohesive and work and everything. Pochettino would bring one in. Pochettino knows everyone already. Pochettino's hungry. Pochettino's liked by the players who keep hearing all these stories that they want him, that they're talking to him. You know, it seems to me, I would have thought because of the situation, maybe if it was the summer that Conti went, then maybe you'd, you'd maybe cast the net
4: wider. But I would have thought to give ourselves a chance of getting into the top four, Pochettino. Anybody. anybody- watching this as a as a you know highly valued and respected coach must be you know, shaking in their boots. I mean, Con- uh, Ponchettino knows what happened before. Took us to a Champions League final and then was thrown under the bus as soon as possible the following year. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I, you've got to have some kind of ego to say, well, I can go back and fix all this. I mean, it seems to me it's a bit of a graveyard now. <laughs> for managers I mean if I was a manager now I'd think very seriously about this could be my final job even if I'm at you know the height of my career because you've gone through you said about Conte and Mourinho as two coaches but we've had coaches of different ages we had the Santini the French national team coach we had Hoddle and we had you know you name them I mean it's yeah yeah loads of top top they're always top coaches when they arrive always top always different we've had young old you know foreign UK and they all end the same way there's only one common denominator with it all that's the people that run the football club Um, and we have had now a a substantial period of time with failure or failure as we perceive it failure means not winning cups Yes, their, their perception of building a club and value of a club is certainly not failure. Yeah, I mean,
3: for Daniel Levy, from his point of view, if you get in the top four, job done. Because that's what maximises revenue. Everything else after that is a bonus. Mm. Obviously, he'd love to win. I
4: think the guy, who's the guy, uh, the, the brother-in-law that puts the, yeah. does the give substitutions? It, give it to him. He's got a chance again. <laughs> Looks like he does everything else. Uh,
0: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
3: So just to say for premium content, including a daily news show, X player interviews, original documentary series on Spurs, go to patreon.com forward slash Spurs show and support our show in the process. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram Please leave us a nice review on iTunes, or I think it's now called Apple Podcasts, actually. Next Monday, we record with Paul Hawksby, Jeff Pope, and Olympic medalist Gail Ems. Jerry, who do, who do you like the look of and the runners and riders? I mean, you talked well, about Gallardo. He's interesting. Yeah, That'll yeah. A massive gamble, but they always is a gamble yeah, anyway. No,
1: right, I hear, you know, someone talking recently who, well, he does help represent him, but he was saying he is going to be a fantastic manager and this guy had spoken to Levy about him. This was a month ago. Okay. So, you know, he he may be in their thinking, but it is a gamble. Is he available
3: um, as well? Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. He, is he was yeah. at
1: River Plate, but he's yeah. gone. Yeah. Um, I'd love to see Poch back. I'd love to see Poch back. Um, yeah. But I just think it's it's such a difficult one because, you know, do you do you... Give him the job full time. Do you give it to the end of the season? Would he take it to exactly? The end of the season? Um, I know the reason when he left, he felt very let down on the lack of transfer you know, the couple of windows or three windows, wasn't it, without any signings. The, the way the stadium had dragged on and they were playing at Wembley, he had a team that season they finished second to Chelsea that was with a couple of additions would have been competitive, you know, yeah. would have gone. And he just felt let down. And I think it, it all sort of fell apart for him. Mm. His, his motivation went... Mm that uh, new year just before the uh, the 6 months before the Champions League final mm. and that and you could see the away certainly the away form dropped off a cliff so, yeah. and players said it themselves you know he, he wasn't this he, he didn't have the same spark about it and i think he felt well, worn down by it mm. But you know what he's said since then he'd love to come back. he feels it's unfinished business. I think there's a there's a lot about that. If he feels it's unfinished business, and if levy it has hinted in the past that maybe he jumped too quickly and 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 you look at the situation they're in, i mean to give you know Enoch and Daniel Levy some credit, Tottenham are in a very powerful position. As a club now, you know, they're, they're, their match day income has now overtaken Arsenal. They are in a much, much better position than, say, Chelsea on, a, on an ongoing basis. Mm-hmm. If, if the Premier League, with their 100 plus charges against Manchester City, take action and start enforcing financial fair play so that clubs that are essentially sponsored by nation states cannot have un- untold wealth. And Chelsea have already lost an element of that. Mm-hmm. Then, then Spurs, as a self sustaining club, which they are, they're very, you know, I mean, we, I was at a conference today and they were talking about go karting under the South Stand. They've got boxing, they're, they're preparing the pitch for rugby this weekend. They've got uh, Beyonce coming up, they've got boxing coming up. They're making money. And if that is spent well and if they get the right man in place, they can be in a very good position. Yeah. And all the pain of the last few years and what went wrong when, <clears throat> as we all know, Pochettino got them just that close, but it, not enough. If that can be turned to good, if you like, it, you know, the pain of that period could be we could come out the other side of it if they get the right man in position and they're prepared to back him. And I think they would be prepared to back
4: well, one him. One of now. the things I think you also have to take into account here is how well Arsenal are doing this season. Yeah. And <coughs> that has an effect. It has an effect on me. I don't know any Spurs fans it wouldn't. Um, after this show, I'm going to go to sleep tonight and I'm sure I'm going to have a nightmare because <laughs> you're telling me that Arsenal are going to run away with the league title and we're replacing our manager with Ryan Mason. No disrespect to Ryan. And I'll, I'm going to be suicidal. So they can't they can't not they can't they can't they can't dis, they can't dismiss that. Mm. <laughs> yeah. no. But the inter- well the
1: interesting thing the Arsenal story is Chelsea's owners have given a couple of sort of off the record briefings and when they're under pressure to get rid of Potter the fans don't like it, you know, we love Tuchel and you know blah blah. They're saying we're looking at the Arsenal model. They, they they put a young manager in with a vision and young players. They finished 8th, 8th and 5th and 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 now, look what's happening. they've all bought into it. There's a young you know I mean whether you like it or not, there's a young vibrant club playing great football, yeah. and they're they're going to win something. It could be the league this year and Chelsea take that as the model for them. they think in in three or four years, that could be them it could that was the Pochettino model, yeah. really, and it could be again, you know so. Maybe that's a better way forward than trying to bring in a, 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 a you know, a name, a, a sort of magic, a silver bullet sort of yeah. thing. A big name, he's, gonna, he, he's won everything everywhere he's been, so he's going to win stuff with us. You know, think long term. And it could be, it could be these things go around in circles, you know. So hopefully,
3: mm. hopefully come out the other side of it. Yes. The other name that's high up in the betting is this Oliver Glasner, who's the manager of Eintracht Frankfurt. Mm,
1: very young, isn't he? And uh... yeah,
3: young, young, and up and coming. O- other names are uh, Deserby, of course, of Brighton, who's doing a great job right now. But I mean, you know, sometimes those things are five minutes. The yeah, he's been uh... Posticoglu. I, quite, I mean, I do quite like him. Yeah, he's he's his record is impressive wherever he's been. Yeah, Thomas Frank. I personally, if I was him, I'd be inclined to stay at Brentford. Mm. <laughs> I mean. um yeah, Gallardo, Brendan Rodgers—he always, his name always comes up. Vincent Kompany, there's no way he's coming, is there? I mean, again, he, why yeah. would he? He's way for, for the City, city job, job yeah. isn't he? Yeah. Marco Silva, whose stock goes like that, doesn't it? Just happens <laughs> to be up at the moment. Yeah. And he's suspended. Yeah. But maybe he'll feel like he wants to. Maybe he feels like he, he'll want to walk. Marce, Marcelo Bielsa, you can get a forty to one. <laughs> but he, apparently, he never joins mid-season. Yes, yes. And he is, he's one that they apparently really are. And yeah. that would be very Levy. You play a team, they look really good. He's already bought Porro. He's got, he's got, it's like, that's how we got one day Ramos, wasn't it? When we played Seville and they were great. They played us off the part. And he said, we'll have, we'll have him. <laughs> apparently they like the look of him. He is, he's impressive. He's young. He's on the up, isn't he? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Imagine if we got the great Marcus Edwards. That really would be something. So, you know, you pay your money, you take your choice. But as I say, I would have thought, given now, if you're serious about these last nine, ten games, you've got to get someone in who's serious and available and can hit the ground running. And that's why I think... And, and Pochettino, if I was Pochettino, I would find... I, I, it would like, it'd be back. To say, yeah, I'll do it to the end of the season is actually not good for his no, brand. No. It looks like he's desperate to accept mm. those terms. I mean, one thing about Conte, I mean, I've said this a few times, but I think it's really worth saying is he only took those one and a bit years, you know, to, which actually, if you look at the situation, people say, oh, he's just trying to get fired. Maybe he is trying to get fired. But he, remember, he could have got four or five years out of Levy. He had him over a barrel and then he could have tried to get fired and got a much, much bigger payoff. Yeah. so to be fair to him at least he's he didn't commit that long because he wasn't sure
1: well against that he was almost immediately he was you know the, the mood music was he he felt he was bigger than tottenham all yeah. along so you know maybe that suited him not to have a long-term commitment anyway
3: yeah maybe but of course yeah i suppose it would have been harder for him to get out of it and maybe Ooh. that's how he was thinking yeah okay well uh, we'll see won't we we'll see what happens in this dust, uh, desperate I mean the thing to remind ourselves before we wrap this up is we're still fourth we're still very much in that race with with uh, Newcastle and Liverpool most likely and there may be there may even be uh, a showing from Brighton or mm. Fulham or, or Brentford or A oh, man, you... really yeah United maybe United get sucked back into it they're not they're not that convincing are they and, and they're still in the FA Cup, isn't they? Yeah, they've got a lot of games. A lot of games.
1: It so, was certainly in Tottenham's hands before the Southampton draw. Yeah, all they had to do was—I mean, all they had to do. But if they won all their games, they were—they were, they were yeah. certainly fourth, possibly third. So, you know, because Newcastle and Liverpool, they've got to play, and United. So, uh, you know, if they can get it together, it's still—it still could be a good end of the season. Yeah.
3: Well, uh. Let's let's wrap it up because we've got David Pleat coming up very, very soon. But for now, everybody just like to say thanks everyone for coming. Stick around for David Pleat and everyone at home. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Rob. Thank you. Thank you, Jerry. Uh, this is Theo Delaney in London.
2: Say, go you, Spurs. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk.